Hello and welcome to EM Talk. EM Talk is a podcast sponsored by Axon Education and the Texas EMS School, and we are devoted to diving into the real world of EMS and everything relative. We interview real EMS providers, real hospital providers, real patients, and get the real story on what's going on currently in the world of EMS and what we can do to make it better. I remember the day we all thought everything was going to get better. May 1st of 2020. That was the date the governor of Texas announced we were entering the first phase of reopening Texas. Everyone was either excited or scared. Phase one included opening malls, retail stores, restaurants, movie theaters, libraries, and museums. I was in the middle thinking it was great for the economy, but maybe a little quick. Either way, things were going to open back up, and I was looking forward to some Tex-Mex tortilla chips. Phase 1 started out okay, but by May 5th, people were starting to get sick at an alarming rate. Phase 2 was supposed to start mid-May, but if you remember, May 19th is when everything completely fell apart. Phase 2 never happened, and Phase 1 was a failure of epic proportions. smell was unmistakable. Mark and I looked at each other, and then Mark asked the store owner if he had noticed the smell. Innocent enough question, but we both knew there was no way he didn't smell it. His expression, which wasn't pleasant to start with, quickly changed to something more painful and angry. Something you learn in EMS is to always know where your exits are. When things get bad, you have to have an exit plan and know how to get out. We made a mistake because the store owner locked the door behind us, which was pretty standard, so we didn't think anything of it. The only key that I could see was on a key ring on his belt loop. I politely asked for him to unlock the door so we could get back on the road, but he didn't answer. He just kept staring at us. Mark is a pretty big guy. I mean, he isn't all that tall, but as I said, there wasn't much to do for entertainment lately, and Mark had started this whole pandemic as a gym shark, and he had only gotten bigger. Mark also was a little more confrontational than I am and was already looking like he was about to tackle the store owner. The store owner would not take his eyes off Mark. The way I saw it, we had two possibilities here. Either the store owner was going to let us leave or we were going to leave without his help. With his hands laying on the shotgun in front of him, I was hoping for the first option. I tried to draw his attention away from Mark. Sir, let's just see what we can do to get us all out of here. I don't know what you have back there, and I really don't care. We don't care. We just want to pay for our stuff and leave. He turned his eyes to me for just a second, and I guess Mark made the decision for us. He lunged at the guy, and I reacted as fast as I could to grab the shotgun. I was able to get a hand on the barrel, and Mark was able to force the guy to the ground. I picked up the shotgun to make sure he didn't get it back in some struggle, and asked the store owner which key opened the door. He just kept struggling against Mark's grip. That didn't do much good, but we weren't going to be able to keep that up forever. So I put the owner to sleep to give Mark a break. 
We tied the owner up behind the counter and turned our attention on the back room. Everything I'd ever seen in a movie told me that I should not go look in that room. I knew deep down that we should just walk out of the store, but we just couldn't leave without figuring out what was back there. As we slowly approached the back room, the smell got worse. Mark reached carefully for the doorknob as I stood back, ready with the shotgun we took from the shop owner. Mark opened the door, and we found out quickly what the smell was. There were about five decomposing bodies and something chained in the corner. The chain moved, and we didn't wait to see what it was on the end of it. We figured the shop owner must have had one of the converted back there, and was allowing it to feed on store patrons. My guess is we were supposed to be next. Mark and I decided to leave the shop owner tied up, and we headed out. We grabbed the keys and unlocked the door. We took more than we came for, figuring we kind of earned it. We drove around a bit in the town looking for some kind of law enforcement to send over to the gas station, and it seems this town had been completely abandoned as well. Our only option was to get back on the road and keep moving. This time I took the will, and Mark got in the back to work on some tools that we could use later. We still have the shotgun, but we didn't see any ammunition at the gas station, so all we have is one shell left. Won't do us much good for very long. Drive until dark, and I start to fade. We decide we're going to try and find somewhere off the road to hide our truck. I turn on a dirt road, and we find another dirt road off of that one. In the country, there's no lack of dirt roads. I don't see any lights in any direction and no houses or buildings. This should do. I decide to stay up front in case we need to get moving in a hurry. We lock up the doors and drift off. The day's events exhausted us enough that we were able to fall asleep pretty easy compared to the night before. I was awoken very suddenly by the sound of banging on the truck. I looked around but couldn't see anything outside of the truck. The moon wasn't bright, and like I said, there weren't any lights that we could see in any direction. I turned on the battery to the truck and hit the floodlights in all directions. I almost wish I hadn't done that. I yelled to Mark, but he was, of course, already up from the noises. I told him to look out the back window. Mark shouted, How many are in front of us? I told him, Too many. He said, Too many this way, too. We could try to drive out, but if we hit too many of them, it could mess up the truck and we could be stopped for good. I once had this partner named Casey. Casey was one of those guys that was good at a lot of things. One of those guys that would be really useful at a time like this. I don't know where he is right now. I just know that during the pandemic, he took off with his family so that they could stay safe. Anyways, one time I was headed to a 911 call with Casey. It was dark and the report was that the patient was unresponsive. We were headed lights and sirens down a country road. The truck we were in at the time was this big international with a huge box. Big, heavy, durable truck. Next thing I hear is Casey saying, brace yourself. I look up in time to see a whole team of hogs. There was no avoiding them in this monster of a truck. We hit them and felt the truck swerve a bit, but it seemed to be running fine and we kept going to the call. We were able to finish out the call and when I went outside to look at the damage while the truck was parked in the ambulance bay at the hospital, I saw that even in this giant truck we were not invincible. 
It had torn up the front right fender and almost destroyed the front bumper. We were lucky that time. The truck Mark and I are in now is barely half the size of that truck. Those hogs were low to the ground. If we start plowing through this herd of converted, the damage is sure to stop us dead. Literally. We were going to have to clear our path somehow. I asked Mark if he had worked out any ideas so far. He said that he knew we had a small tank of gas for the emergency generator we kept on the back. We also have some road flares. The only problem is we have no way to get to the can of gas. It was stored in the outside compartment under where the bench is located. We didn't have any kind of saw on board, or else we could just saw through the bench seat and grab the can that way. Next thing I know, Mark has the oxygen tank and he is bashing the seat with it. Remember, I told you Mark is pretty big and pretty strong, so with some brute force, sure enough, he broke through the bench. He made the hole just big enough to grab the gas can. The flares were stored in the center console so that we could drop them out the window as we drove. It only took a few seconds to come up with a plan. Mark handed the gas can to me through the access window. I used my shears to cut a bunch of small holes in the can, then I removed the nozzle. I was going to throw the can out the window in front of us in hopes that the gas would come out like rain, spraying the converted in front of us with gas. I got the flares ready, but not lit, and then counted to three. I rolled down the window, and they were on me quick, but I was able to get the can thrown a few yards in front of us. The window was working fine now. As I watched the can fly through the air, it reminds me of all the baseball games I used to go to. My son played Little League his whole life, and we would go to games all the time. I would always help coach. Makes me miss those normal things. I lit the road flare and threw it towards the can. The plan worked. The converted began lighting and burning fast. As I started to move away from the fire, I took off through the flames and kept moving. Once I was able, I pulled over and Mark got up front with me. We weren't tired anymore. This was only the beginning of day three. Okay, so uh, Mark and Judd have escaped their first herd of the converted and will hopefully encounter many more. We've got lots of good suggestions that have been coming in and we are going to be introducing a new, hopefully friendly character on the next episode or the next chapter of the converted. Also still looking for some of those images of what you guys think that the converted look like. So if you have some artistic ability, feel free to draw those in for us. Uh, feel free to send any suggestions, comments, additions to our Facebook page, Texas EMS School, or just go to our website and uh, look us up at texasemsschool.com. You can also send us texts at 325-218-4444. Keep listening to EM Talk and we'll see you next time on The Converted.